Welcome everyone. This is the Marketing Experiments Web Clinic titled No Unsupervised Thinking, How to Increase Conversion by Guiding Your Audience. Uh, this is Boris Grinka, and I'll be joined today by two of our lead research analysts, Corey Trent and Heather Andrick. I want to remind you that in our last clinic we talked about uh, ways to test and uh, how to increase your ROI through test management. Uh, strategies. And today we'll go back to a very specific optimization topic that we've had a number of questions. There's a lot of ways in which you spend time and effort in driving traffic to your site, so it becomes really important that um, you retain and convert those visitors. Uh, we talk about a lot in terms of uh, optimization about conversation with your visitor on this site. People don't buy from uh, websites, people buy from people. So it becomes really critical that you guide the thought process in the mind of your site visitors uh, towards the conversion goal that you have. And today we'll look at some very specific proven strategies that will guide your customers to this conversion result. We'll look, uh, in short, we'll look at a specific case study to show you some research results um, that we've uh, achieved recently. Uh, we'll also talk about a number of uh, common design pitfalls, and we'd like to really give you some specific tactics that you can use in designing your web pages. And also, last, we'll uh, go through a number of uh, live optimization examples. We'll took, we took actual submissions from our audience, uh, actual pages, and we'll take a look at what works and uh, what may not, and where there's opportunity for improvement. Now, let's take a look at an actual research study uh, that uh, our team has conducted, and Heather, I'll hand it over to you. Thanks, Boris. Um, basically, what we've done here is the background of, of this here is uh, based upon a financial institution. Um, they offer a various amount of accounts like any typical banking industry would. However, this, this particular project is focused on the online savings account. The goal of this particular project was to increase the amount of online applications. Um, and primary research question here was which page will produce the most account signups? Um, this one focuses on a ABC split test where we reduce the amount of friction to try to increase click-through rate and conversion. So what you see in front of you here is two treatments, comparison um, visually next to the control. Um, basically, this is just a wireframe layout of how we gradually reduce the elements in these two treatments to try to Im improve them. The control um, basically contains five blocks of information here, and what you see is a lot of separated boxes. Um, we obviously had blacked out some of the information to protect our client, but um, what you see is several calls to action. So obviously there's a major distraction going on here. Um, and in some instances, there actually were some information on this page that wasn't even related to the actual product. Um, so you have to be careful when you're optimizing pages to, to be cognizant of the fact that some elements may not belong on the page. So overall, just again, many competing objectives on this page, so we're going to try to focus on how to improve upon that. Treatment one. Um, basically what treatment one did is rather than change the copy, it basically just formatted the bullets, I'm sorry, formatted the copy and bolded the key benefits to enable the user to guide through the copy a little bit easier and, and guide them through by bolding these elements. Um, we removed the competing calls to action here and updated the one particular one that you remember on the last slide was a blue link or a blue call to action. We actually changed this to a link so that we can focus on the main objective, which is the main call to action here where you see it says start saving today. Um, additionally, we changed the elements in the right-hand column by adding testimonials for supporting elements and removed the competing product offer as well. 
on this particular treatment here is very, very similar, except we removed the right-hand column altogether and we centered the button. Um, again, the copy has been bolded to guide the user through the page. The call to action here is centered um, to kind of isolate it a little bit better. Um, again, the main call to action um, obviously is identified here, but you can test different versions of this by making perhaps the button a little bit bigger. Um, and unfortunately for this particular test, we were unable to remove those bottom elements, those tool tips you see there, but you can definitely try different versions where you're just focusing on that main objective so you can optimize this page even further. So now let's go ahead and look at the results. Um, we got a 266% increase in click-through rate here with treatment two. So simplifying the layout and reducing the call to actions and the competing objectives helped to improve the, the, the um, clarity on the page and allow the user to guide through the main call to action a little bit clearer. Um, treatment one also did, did perform well, but treatment two actually performed better where we isolated that call to action button in the main iPad. Also got a 27% increase in overall conversion. Um, so obviously we've seen similar results through this, um, through various testing and research that, you know, focusing on increasing the clarity for the user will help you get an increase in conversion as well as an increase in click-through. So on that note, I'm going to turn it back over to Boris, who will expand upon that. Thank you, Heather. Uh, I wanted to make sure that our audience is aware that if you have any questions on anything that uh, comes up in this web clinic, please use your question and answer feature in the uh, webinar. Uh, to send questions to us, and we'll try to answer them live on this uh, on this clinic. If uh, we don't get to all of your questions, we'll try to address them also in our blog uh, online. Now, so let's talk about uh, this relation between visitor direction and conversion. We've definitely seen in a number of case studies, just like the one that Heather just presented, that uh, there's a direct uh, correlation between improving how we direct the visitor's attention on a page and how that can affect the conversion rate. And of course, that relationship is positive. When we think about um, how we want to con uh, control the sequence of thought, and again, we're not talking about how to design a page here. We have to keep in mind that when a person comes to a site, uh, what we want to do is to guide the sequence of their thought toward the particular objective that we have. And when we do that, a good way to look at it is, um, may, might seem even very simplistic. These three questions that we have here on the screen, where am I, what can I do here, why should I do it? These questions occur in the person's mind, whether consciously or unconsciously, anytime they land on a page, and it is critical that your page can answer those questions. It, it might be even a really good exercise for you, for your um, marketing or web design team, to sit down and really write out the answers to these questions. What do you want to be able to answer in the mind of your customer when it comes to your page? When the customer asks themselves, where am I? For, that can arise, for example, in case of a paid search ad, when that ad lands them on your landing page, and it may not be clear that there is a connection between what was offered in the ad and what actually is offered on that page. Uh, what can I do here? Uh, sometimes there are web pages, we've, we see that all the time as we work with our research partners, where there's a page that provides information, but it doesn't really clearly guide you to any particular action. So the, uh, the idea behind the page is to get the person to act, but it may not be clearly communicated, and it, the person is left uh, to kind of their, uh, their own thinking to figure out what to do. That's, what, that's exactly what we call unsupervised thinking, and that's the, the title of our web, web clinic today. And the last question, why should I do it? And that is really a question of value proposition. If you've been to any of our previous clinics, and a lot of them we talk about the importance of clarity of the value proposition. It's also part of the marketing experiments con uh, conversion sequence. 
That's one of the most important elements. It has one of the highest coefficients in the heuristic, and it has to do how you can, how well you can communicate the reason why that person should do business with you as opposed to your competitor. So let's take a look at um, a pretty commonly used um, website template. Actually, Marketing Sherpa, our sister company, uh, has done this research, and they found that this template here that you see on the screen is used by 80% of large B2B sites. And I'm sure you've seen this uh, yourselves in your experience uh, in, many, in many cases, B2B, also B2C. And this uh, template sometimes is necessary. You know, you, you really do have to have multiple competing objectives. We see it very frequently used in uh, homepage design, for example, where a company that has a complex offer, has multiple departments, has different stakeholders that all vie for the same uh, small amount of space on the homepage, and you have these different things competing for your customer's attention on that page. The, the problem here, of course, is that this leaves little guidance for the person that visits this page to figure out where can they go next. So it becomes very critical, and we'll talk about these specific tactical approaches in a minute of how do you get that person's attention to the right place. How do you decide or how do you point them in the right direction? How do you prioritize your objectives? Um, it's important that, by the way, you do another exercise and actually understand if you have multiple objectives on your page, as you see here in this example, you know, these different vertical columns may have different offers or different products that this company offers or perhaps different solutions for different industries. You may have no choice but to put all of them on your page so there are multiple objectives, but it may be useful for you to decide which one of those objectives is the most important so it attracts the most attention and so on in order of importance. So let's take a look at another example of a template that's meant for a more simplified, perhaps a single product offer, or just a page that has a very simple uh, single objective that can drive the person to. In that case, you should really not have multiple columns. At the most, we would recommend you probably will have two, where the second column on the right that you see is really the the value proposition of the primary offer. And this, this could be in the form of testimonials, uh, credibility, seals, and so on. Uh, however, the primary real estate on this page, and it doesn't have to be, by the way, above the fold. It can really keep, keep going further down. But the key is that you drive your visitor's iPad through this uh, key expression of your value proposition towards the objective. So that might be a form at the bottom or a, 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 click, a link to another step in the uh, funnel and so on. However, the key objective for you is going to be to start a conversation with your customer in the same uh, primary column of the page and then drive them through key expressions of the value proposition towards the objective, towards the action that you want them to take. Now, I believe we have a question from the audience. Uh, let me see here. Uh, the question is, does left navig navigation do diminish conversion rate? That is a great question. By the way, this is one of those questions that we get a lot of the time, uh, people looking for kind of very simple rules of thumb. And we, on the one hand, we do have those in the sense that we well, in our research, we try to derive uh, transferable principles. We try to derive ways to think about a web page. I mentioned the conversion sequence heuristic, which is also a tool to think about different elements on the page. Uh, one I just, I think, mentioned just a second ago, this idea about keeping things above the fold, which, by the way, in a number of our research projects, we've shown to, to really not work very well. You know, we've shown that it's more important to keep a conversation with your customer, express your value proposition clearly, um, and then being above the fold is only important in terms of making sure that that person, that visitor, knows that there's something continuing below the fold. But in terms of left navigation, it really depends on what the, per 
the the purpose of your of that page is. If you have a single standalone um, landing page that, for example, you drive traffic from any particular as narrowly as possible defined channel, like certain pay-per-click campaign, certain set of banner ads, and so on, or certain affiliates, you can, uh, th in that case, the uh, navigation can uh, uh, diminish your conversion rate because it's going to distract your visitor. It's going to provide other things to do. That's what we just called competing objectives. It's giving the visitor other things to to do on the page. So out of those three questions, where am I, what can I do here, and why should I do it, what can I do here, and now it has multiple answers. And as a result, whatever the primary objective you have on that page is going to be competing with the navigation. On the other hand, if the page is an integral part of your site, uh, removing navigation, of course, can lead to a degree of confusion because you just landed a person from pages that have navigation to a page that seems to have no exit, and that creates a disconnect. I would, I would also add, I would say that there's probably going to be degrees of distraction as well for left-hand navigation. For example, how complex is your navigation? You know, if someone hovers over that, is it going to start initiating a bunch of drop-downs and animations? You know, is there the design aspects that are going to be hard for you to overcome with your other content and prioritizing? So also keeping those in mind. If you do have left-hand navigation, I would say sort of de-emphasizing that and maybe using that for supplementary information like FAQs or things that might be related to the page, specification, things of that nature. Um, but also watch, you know, how interactive that navigation is, how distracting that it can be as well. Thank you, Corey. That, that's some really good points. And Raymond, thank you for submitting the question. I have another question here from Jeremy. Uh, the question is, how do you know when to offer competing products? And that's a great question in terms of testing. I know we're, the clinic today was really focused on optimization uh, methodology. This is one example where you really there's no single answer, but there's some really good uh, test ideas that we can uh, offer you guys. For example, uh, you know that everybody's familiar with Amazon.com, so they are really good at upselling you on additional products in the cart and after you've completed your purchase. So, of course, that is one uh, way to bring in what basically is a competing objective, right? So you have your primary offer, and if you have some uh, auxiliary offers that you can offer, <laughs> that you can provide after the initial purchase is done. That way, they don't want to compete with your primary product in this case. Um, on the other hand, depending on the relevance of that secondary product, the primary one, and if there are actually substitutes for each other or not, would determine whether you can actually offer them at the same time. And of course, if you have a whole catalog of products, it's going to be difficult to just position one in front of your customer and leave the, uh, the, re the remainder of the catalog behind the shopping cart. You can also look to your metrics as well in this instance. So you might observe that for certain pages, there's some top exit points within there where people typically navigate. Um, so you might see that most people come in at one point and then usually end up going to another page and maybe purchasing a product or looking at some different features. So that might give you a clue as to what um, products or features that you want to feature in those pages and give you some actual data to back that up instead of kind of guessing and going from there. You can actually look sometimes to your metrics to kind of gain an insight on once your users arrive to a page, what they're actually looking for um, instead or in addition to. Thank you, Corey. Um, let me keep moving forward then. So it's important that every element on a web page is helping guide because uh, your visitor's thought process. 
We're not optimizing a page. We're really optimizing the thinking in the mind of our visitor in order to guide them to the action we want them to take, whether it's filling out a form, purchasing a product, viewing a demo, and so on. In terms of uh, optimization uh, for, for the particular objectives, uh, we, talk of, uh, we just talked about conversation as being a key principle. You want to have the conversation um, built into your page. You want to have a conversation with your customer that gets them to understand your value proposition and take them to the, the action you want them to take. But in a minute, what we'll talk about are specific tactics that you can use in order to guide their attention, in order, in order to guide their iPath. So this might seem very simple and straightforward, uh, almost simplistic, but it's key that we consider all those elements as we design our web pages. These, these elements are size, shape, color, position, and motion. Again, they might seem very simple, but a lot of the time we see how these fall through the cracks, and we'll have some examples, some web optimization examples, where we can, we'll notice uh, that these were not addressed. But let me give you a couple of simple examples just to illustrate, of course, uh, in terms of size, obviously, a big button is a lot more noticeable than a small button. That's, that's pretty straightforward. The same works, of course, for text, images, banners, and so on. Well, one note I would point out on this size and eventually when we get to color is using those very carefully, um, especially with call-to-actions. What I see the tendency of a lot of marketers online and businesses is to create um, very lavish and loud uh, action because they don't want people to miss them, but on the other side of the coin, what can end up happening is your call to action or your element can become so bright and overpowering on the page that it can cause users to actually skip important parts of the page. That can be features about your product, that can be your value proposition, it could be some of your credibility indicators, testimonial seals, things like that. When you have very colorful elements, be sure that you're not as we're talking about communication with the visitor, that you're not skipping steps with some of the ways that you're trying to address and making sure that conversation is happening, that you're not you know, skipping past the small talk that can be really important on the site and getting to know you and your product and going to, hey, where's this information or we need your money. Make sure that, again, you're still having control over that process, but again, you still want to make those elements visible. So. Use with caution. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Corey. Uh, that's a really great, great point. And we get asked all the time about, you know, what is the best button to use on the site? And there's, again, there's no single rule, but uh, probably there's one thing that we will always look for is that the button has to look like a button. It has to be probably three-dimensional, look like it can be clickable. What Corey just mentioned, sometimes uh, calls to action kind of get out of control to where a button no longer looks like a button. It's just a big image on the site, and you don't really even necessarily know that you can even click it. So that would be one of the important considerations. But now let's talk about shape. Uh, here's an example. By the way, this uh, particular uh, website that we used as an example here was a winner of our value proposition contest in one of the recent clinics. But we wanted to look at it in particular in terms of shape. So when you look at this uh, graphic, this excerpt from the site, you can see that the irregular shape on the bottom left, uh, the pointed, uh, I guess, menu element on the right, and the button on the bottom, because it uh, kind of sticks out of the image, all attract the eye because of their shape. Uh, and again, unique fonts, odd-shaped banners, and so on, will always attract the eye. We talk about uh, the issue of banner blindness uh, on some of our clinics and our blogs. Uh, that's something that actually Marketing Sherpa also has done a lot of research on to show that 
if something looks like a banner on a page, if it's in a, in, re, in a rectangle and it's in a position that a banner typically would appear on a page, it becomes essentially invisible. So that's, again, another shape question. So if you want, um, if you want to attract your visitor's attention to, let's say, a headline, probably one of the worst things you can do is to put it in a box at the top of the page because it's going to start to appear like a third-party advertisement, and the visitor, all of us really are just so uh, accustomed to ignore those that uh, the person is going, to do, is going to jump right past it to the, uh, to, the, uh, to the copy on the page. And what we found in our research is the headline typically is probably one of the most powerful elements on your page in terms of getting the person's attention in the first half second that they landed on it. Now, let's talk about uh, color. And again, it's, it might seem very straightforward and very simple, but it's important that, that you design your site uh, that you consider all of these elements explicitly and you make sure that all of them are used or as much as possible uh, used uh, in order to help guide the person's eye path. So here's a simple example. You can see here that the color of the text uh, definitely draws the attention to the key points that we want to express about this particular offer. Without that uh, color distinction, this would be just, uh, this would look like more of a uh, kind of a tedious three paragraphs that you have to read versus using color, you can draw the person's eyes to the very key points that can be glanced at quickly and absorbed. And then the person, if they want to read more, uh, hopefully these attracted their attention, and then they can read more to really understand the value of each point. But you can use the same technique, of course, with your text, buttons, and so on. Uh, a danger in using too much color, of course, a lot of you have been uh, familiar with that as well. When the, color, when the web page is all color and there's not, everything is emphasized, uh, then, of course, nothing becomes emphasized and it becomes a mess. Um, just in, even in, uh, in print advertising, there's a lot of the time uh, people talk about, you know, I want to emphasize everything. I have an ad and I want to emphasize the price and the date and the product image. And, of course, you cannot emphasize everything. That's where you have to make sometimes trade-offs and decide what is really important, what is the key information on the page, what is going to communicate your value proposition most clearly, and emphasize those items and, tr and uh, emphasize them in such a way that that information could be enough to get the person's attention and get them to read the rest of the page. Yeah, also a quick note on this as well. Um, for color, make sure the colors that you use on a page contrast well. Uh, we've seen that with some of our partners, and just in general in looking at the web, um, the color schemes can get quite uh, obnoxious in nature, um, and it can cause actual readability issues with some sites. Um, just the way that your eye reacts to some colors and how they're put together. Um, some people just might bounce off your page because it just doesn't read well. It's you know, and you also have to take in consideration people's technology and that they have available. Some colors, um, based on background colors or surrounding color, might start to bleed together with older monitors things of that nature. So you all always have to keep that in mind. One tool that I use um, that helps quite frequently when I'm designing a page and building like a color palette would be the Adobe Color Tool. And that's free for anyone to use. And it, it just really helps in building a, again, a palette that's easy on the eyes and colors that work with uh, one another. Because if you're like me, I can design things and conceptually come up with things, but sometimes my color picking uh, isn't the best. You wouldn't want me to come in and paint your house and pick colors, let's say. Um, so that tool can really help you um, in, that, in that way. That's, that's a great point. Um, the variety of colors that you can, you can have on a website um, can, can, can definitely be detrimental. I have a quick question here from Evan. 
the question is, do these recommendations apply to B2B sites with long sales cycle? Well, these recommendations are really, like, the, the ones we're looking at right now, size, color, shape, and so on, these are tactical recommendations that are meant to help you guide your visitor's uh, thought process through a page. So it's not really important uh, what kind of product you offer. It's really important just to align your offer, to, to shape your offer on your page uh, along these dimensions. Make sure that when you express, let's say, your value proposition, you're using um, shape and color to highlight uh, key points, that you're using uh, size to emphasize your headline and so on. Um, and, of course, if, unless uh, there's something in particular about your B2B offer that might be used or, or, or might be um, optimized differently, please do follow up through your Q&A feature, and we will definitely um, give you a more specific answer to that question. Yeah, I mean, I would actually say that for some of these items, to the B2B crowd, these are going to be extremely important because what I've seen of some of those uh, demographics is those tend to be some of the people that scan pages most frequently. So having elements that make it more scanner friendly and easier to digest is going to suit that crowd the best. So um, I would definitely say for a lot of these recommendations, it's going to be very pertinent for your audience and uh, definitely would take note of these. Um, we also got a question for me. To, uh, the, what's the name of the Adobe tool I mentioned? It's called Color. And it's actually K-U-L-E-R, I believe, is the URL, um, .com. So if you want to check that out, I also post a link to that in the uh, blog write-up as well. So we'll have that as a resource on there as well. Um. Let's look at position now. Here's another example. And this is not a before and after. Really, this is just an example of two different ways that you can use position of, in this case, a key expression of the value proposition on your page uh, to draw the visitor's attention. So on the left, you have an example where it's part of the banner at the top, part of the headline, and it's also a part of the uh, part of the header, and it's uh, in color. It's a fairly large font size. On the right-hand side, you have it positioned at the top of the page. There's still a distinct headline, and then plain text that's a little bit more readable. So this is uh, this is an example we probably would recommend that would be tested carefully because on the one hand, on the left side, you have really good use of uh, probably color and shape and size. On the other hand, on the right side, you have really good use of position. That uh, text on the right-hand side is clearly in the vertical eye path, in that natural path, uh, eye path of your visitor, where they can read from the top to the bottom directly. Uh, we talk about that, you know, having conversation with the visitor to a page. So this conversation starts with a headline, goes into that subheadline, and continues into the paragraph text. Here on the right side, it does so without any interruption. It's, uh, it flows naturally, whereas on the left side, left-hand side, while the headline is very clearly emphasized and has that green background to um, make it even more obvious, it's disconnected from the rest of the page. It's not, it's not part of the natural iPad. It, there's an um, interruption of the flow because of the navigation with the benefits cost comparison and free floor assessment uh, nav bar in the middle. And, therefore, and so while the position is clearly different, it would actually be difficult for us to say which one of these two would win depending on the different channels of traffic that would arrive at this page. You can certainly apply some of the color and size elements to this headline on the right, though, as well. You can make the font size much larger to make it stand out, still keeping it in that same single column display or also try to influence some color in there, too. I would also look to maybe uh, add some spacing in there as well because it kind of melds within the rest of the copy that surrounds it. So just to make it stand out a little bit more, I would also play around with your spacing as well. 
in addition to what Heather was talking about with color. And uh, what we hear sometimes, uh, and it's kind of intuitive, right, in both cases, on the left and on the right, the headline is readable. It's not invisible. Um, I, we're all looking at it right now, and some, some of you might say, well, you know, on the left and on the right, in both cases, I can read the headline, yes. On the left side, it's kind of in the corner, off to the side, and it's not really connected to the text, but I can still read it. Well, here's the key thing to understand, and this is really probably important in understanding how testing works and how we try to improve pages through optimization. This page on the left may have a certain, it probably has a certain conversion rate. Some people have arrived at this page, fill out the form, click the submit button, and that's counted as a conversion. So those people are obviously not phased by the fact that this headline may not be part of the primary column um, of content on this page. But what we're talking about, let's say this page has a conversion rate of 10%. What we're talking about is those 90% that are not converting right now. Why are they not immediately um, able to understand the value proposition here and fill out this form. Probably some portion of them just don't like the product, and it's entirely you know, likely that a certain portion of them will never fill out this form. They just don't want the offer. But there, there is some part of the group that would probably want to buy this product if they were clearly understanding what the value was. And keep in mind, this page is, let's say, if it's uh, receiving traffic from paid search, it probably has only maybe a second or so uh, of time in order to communicate the key points of its value proposition to this visitor. Because that visitor, as I'm sure all of you have, you know, when you go on Google or another search engine and you do a search and get a bunch of results, you're going to start opening several of them, you're going to put them into different tabs, and you're going to look through those tabs to eliminate all, this, all the sites that you don't think are going to give you the right answer. You just kind of like when you go through your junk mail at the mailbox, right? You're not looking for things to read, you're looking for things to throw away. The same, uh, same way your visitors are going, are going through these search results to eliminate, to narrow down the, the results to the ones that they are more likely to uh, want to read further. So the page on the left, while again, it, it clearly states the value in the upper right corner, it just might not state it quickly enough and might not connect the visitor quickly enough to the rest of the content, not to mention if they were using uh, the recommendations that Heather just mentioned for the page on the right where they could still be in the primary column, but use color to emphasize the headline, use color and um, size to drive the visitor to the important points of the value proposition, then they could capture the, the visitor's attention in that first half second or a second and not get them to uh, close that tab. Let me go on to motion. Uh, this is an interesting topic because it spans both online video, videos, flash banners, uh, animated graphics, and so on. And certainly, it's difficult to argue that anything that's animated on a page when everything else is static is going to stand out. So here's an example of an animated graphic. We just took it apart frame by frame. Uh, it's a sprint phone ad for, for, uh, for a pump phone. And of course, this ad is going to attract attention on the page. The danger, uh, probably one of the biggest pitfalls in using animated graphics and videos on sites is we find uh, a lot of web pages or a lot of websites will rely on the video to communicate a lot of information that might be hidden as actually this banner right here shows. The key information is in the fourth frame. So if a person just glances on this page and it's only the first frame, it's entirely possible that they're not going to wait long enough to see the fourth one. 
So when there is key value proposition points that you have, you want to express them to a visitor. Again, we just talked about how you might only have a second to get their attention. You don't want to put that um, key value proposition points into a video that's several minutes long. Um, I remember one of our, our research partners, when they started working with us, uh, their site was very simple. It almost looked like the Google homepage. Uh, and then it had a link to a video that explained how to use site, and that was a nine-minute video. And, of course, expect the person uh, a, to want to invest that kind of time to understand why they should do business with you. You would have to have either an exclusive product with an amazing value proposition, or otherwise you just really will not get anybody to stay around long enough to figure it out. Um, so, on the one hand, yes, graphics, uh, animated graphics will attract the attention of your, of your visitors, but it's important that you do not rely on them, especially ones that take a lot, long time to present that information to do all your expression of the value proposition for you. You really want to be able to get that across in the first several seconds and then explain how the video is going to give the person additional information. Yeah, I have two points on that as well. One, tying back to one of the points that we've already talked about, position, and just being careful where you put these animated graphics. And what I was mentioning earlier about where you place these on a page can cause people to skip some of the juicier content, if you will, on your page or some of the messaging that you want to communicate to your users. So keep that in mind. Also, going back to our size point, when you have animated graphics, be careful of the sizing and how your animated graphic looks like. Boris mentioned earlier on about banner blindness and advertisements on the um, Internet. If you style your animated graphics similar to that, it is very possible that those get ignored as ads as well. So if you are going to use animated graphics, maybe come up with some um, innovative ways on how you're using that. Um, I wouldn't just use the standard template which you're seeing out on the web, maybe interacting with your page elements, um, playing around with position, um, but again, I would be very cautious when you're using animated graphics and how they're displayed to not look like ads. So the information that you're putting in there is actually getting absorbed by the user and getting value. And that's where it's still you really want to rely on text, which is a lot, uh, which is absorbed a lot quickly when a person can just glance at a page and understand what's going on, even to introduce that video. So it's not sitting there, like Corey said, looking like a banner ad. Uh, so that it has some sort of a headline, maybe a sub-headline that tells the person why they should watch this video, uh, what they're going to get out of it, so that that person has a reason to watch it and not just pass, uh, uh, scroll by it. So now that we are done with the uh, discussing the, the tactics to guide your visitor's iPad through a page, let's take a couple of look at several live optimization examples. These are pages that were supplied to us by our uh, web clinic audience, and uh, I'll let Corey and Heather uh, walk through it. Corey, go ahead. Sure. All right. Well, this is uh, one of the pages that was submitted to us um, to review in our web clinic, and it is a vacation site that pertains to Hawaii vacations, um, outrigger hotels. So one thing that I, I believe that the page does quite well on here is just trying to use size of its images and color to kind of help visitors um, through what it has, it also styles its links to making sure that they stand out. Um, and uh, one thing, I want to go back to the images because I actually have done some work on some vacation sites. And for me, um, we have listed here as one of the recommendations is reducing the banner image sizes. Um, one thing is consider your offers very carefully and your target demographics um, and what your business offering is. 
because um, I would tread quite lightly with testing the image size. When I'm buying a vacation or looking at those types of items on the Internet, it's a very emotional and visual sell to me because um, I want to see myself in those pictures. I want to see myself and where I'm potentially traveling. So I think the size um, and position of those is going to be very crucial on the page, so kind of tread lightly on there. Um, but one thing, the biggest thing on this page that I see um, for us to kind of focus on if we were to be working on this page would just be organization. Uh, as you can see, once you kind of move through the page and you get to the actual offerings, it's quite hard to really quickly see um, what things are being offered. There's no standardized like table where the texts are going. It kind of flows in a weird pattern. And it's just not very user friendly, especially if, when I'm accustomed to some of the, how the other vacation site works and searching and things of that nature. I'm just not used to manually absorbing a lot of this information. Um, so look to organize that a little bit differently. Um, so what you possibly do since Oahu has so many listings, maybe you want to consolidate some of those and have like an expand or collapse feature. Um, just so again you can kind of consolidate some of those items, maybe putting your best, um, your best offers forward. Um, also why I'm talking about this, um, Please give your input in the Q&A on what you think are some things to focus on, and we'll look at those. Um, and maybe you'll bring up something that we can talk about, and we'll try to include those as we go along. Um, also, what you'll notice on this page as well um, is right under the image, it talks about the best rates on these island getaways to Hawaii. But they don't really quantify that in a great way um, throughout the copy in the way of like a graphic where they quantify how they get these deals. Um, maybe including that in the offers. So they offer, let's look at their top Oahu offering is 79 USD. Um, maybe they have something like 94.50 and they strike that out. Other hotel, you know, offering something like that where they're communicating the value directly on what they can offer. Um, and also, if there's going to be, make, make sure when you, if you have really important information that you don't um, place it in um, areas that are going to be away from the offer directly. Um, like we have some of these special rates and discounts and things of that nature. Just make sure that those are going to be somewhat incorporated in the offer and not kind of left out hanging on the page. Um, because we have seen that placement for some of these items, if they're not directly where the offer is going to be, they're just not going to be used. And for some of your travelers, you might find that, you know, 50% of the people that book through you has AAA membership and use that rate, so that's going to be an appealing feature. So make sure that throughout your copy maybe you sprinkle those things available or maybe you have just a small starburst or something near your offerings. You know, special rates apply. Um, click to see if you qualify, something of that nature. Um, and I think that is all we're going to focus on. One, one last thing I noticed as well, sorry about that. Uh, you'll notice that email structure, outrigger, hospitality, best available rates in Hawaii. I would just be careful of the wordsmithing that you use in your headlines and correlating hospitality, hotels, and resorts in your audience. Some people might not correlate the two um, and just might be a confusing piece of the page for them. And you're leading the page with that headline. So just be careful of what words you're using in your initial communication and making that suit your demographic the best. Um, so I'm going to turn it over to Heather for the next page. On this one, we're actually looking at Vanguard, and they are, are um, selling an IRA 
to focus on retirement here. Now, some of the elements that are working on this page are the fact that they are trying to implement color and size and imagery here, but the layout overall might be causing some information to be missed. Um, particularly, your eye is drawn to the image, and you're actually missing, in most cases, the headline. Um, consider adding more emphasis to that headline by moving it under those navigational boxes and, and increase the font. Another way to um, improve upon your headline is to actually try to quantify it a little bit. Like, for example, how much faster can you reach your retirement goals? Um, show exact examples of something like that. Um, another thing here is remove any navigation that's not necessary. There's so many areas to click on this page. I'm not sure where I'm supposed to go. Um, you know, the actual main call to action is those three little um, bullet points down on the bottom where you see the, the image of the folder and the dollar sign. But if you're just looking at this page, you're not going to know that that's where you're supposed to click. You can also click in the um, upper right-hand corner as well. But again, there's so many different links there, you're not really sure um, where the iPad is leading you. Another thing to help actually, you know, compare some of this information and format it a little bit better is to try maybe using a feature matrix where you can compare the different products as well as um, not only to your own products, but maybe even to your competitors' products and, and show the different benefits of what this actual IRA has to offer over any other um, product. And one other thing to note, the top boxes where you have the overview, traditional versus Roth, I would recommend maybe making those tabs. Right now they're actually looking like buttons almost, and, and again, it's just causing so much confusion you're not sure where to go. So either make those tabs or maybe, again, put those in some kind of a table that you can easily scan through the benefits of this page um, because the key benefits as well as why choose Vanguard um, are very important information for this page. Thank you, Heather. Um, by the way, just to, to point out, when we look at these optimization examples, uh, a lot of the time, uh, you know, all of our comments are kind of negative, and uh, of course, we want to understand that a lot of these uh, pages do something right, but it's important to understand that something you know, we like to uh, quote, I believe, Peter Drucker, who said that adequacy is the enemy of excellence. So even though a page might, might be performing well for you, it doesn't mean that there's not a lot of opportunity for improvement, and that's what we really would like to focus on. Uh, both Heather and Corey, by the way, picked, pointed out something that uh, is a great transferable principle, and it's not really a topic in, uh, in this clinic, but the idea of quantifying your value proposition being extremely important and communicating it. Both the previous page and this one are not doing a good job of communicating very clearly why this particular company is the best choice for the visitor. They're making general statements like we're the best, I believe that's what the previous page had in it, but it doesn't say why or by how much, especially if you're trying to make a statement about being cheaper uh, or having more products. That kind of uh, value proposition needs to be supported by a number that's very specific. In fact, we've done tests uh, to uh, even a very granular level where we've shown that a number that is rounded for example, how we have over 10,000 customers does not perform as well as a number that's actually uh, fully spelled out. So it's not 1,000, but it's actually 1,238. Uh, and I believe we have another question. Corey, go ahead and uh, talk about it. All right, we got this question that's actually quite interesting from Casey. Should, and this is going to pertain actually to the both pages that we've covered, should images have humans in them or not? Interesting word, choice of humans, but <laughs> for the uh, images, I would say it depends on what you're trying to accomplish with the image. If you go back, to, if we uh, remember back to the vacation um, images, for some of those, I think that it's going to be beneficial not to include people in there because it's going to give you a point of view type of image, and that might be beneficial for your products. Maybe that's 
you know, you're selling a car and you want to get a cockpit view and you want to kind of give them what the feeling is going to be like sitting in the driver's seat or looking out of your, you know, casa on the beach here in Hawaii. Um, but for some things, images with humans is going to pay off as well. Like we have an image here of a, let's say, a cultural dance or if you have like an event you're trying to showcase and there's going to be some vivid colors involved and giving them an idea of the sensory experience that they're going to have, then humans are going to play an effect. Also with certain offers, if you have a pretty tight leash or understanding of who your demographics are, putting people in your images that, are, that they're going to see themselves in is going to help as well. So going back to the page Heather was going over, if Vanguard finds out that most people in these IRAs that sign up are, you know, late to middle age, you know, couples, then having an image um, that has that kind of imagery in it with those humans, as Casey put it, um, is going gonna, is gonna to pay off well because, again, they're going to see themselves being in that situation um, and connecting with them. Right. Those are some great, really great points, Corey, and all those things you should consider as you uh, test your pages. Images are probably some of the most powerful things you have on your site as far as communicating with, the, with your visitor, especially, again, in those initial, you know, one or two seconds that they see your page. So uh, the images can work really well for you or can, they can really backfire if they did not make that connection. So uh, we would absolutely encourage you to test those images, especially one, of, uh, one aspect of using images of people on, on the site is, you know, do you use stock images or do you use actual images if, if it's applicable? And, of course, again, uh, people are, are pretty aware of the existence of stock images, so you have to be careful not to create a, an experience that appears to be misleading because the visitor to a page kind of gets... Uh, guarded about what you try to communicate with them because they see that you're actually using not a what they would consider a real photo but a stock photo and therefore there's a perception of some sort of uh, misdirection involved. Yeah, I would definitely say that, that particularly applies to testimonials as well. If you're using um, images in correlation with your testimonials when possible, um, get images that actually look like you know someone took it with their own camera or they took a picture from their webcam something of that nature is going to add a believable element to the testimonials and that you're not just aggregating these fake testimonials and then just pulling in some stock images. Uh, let's take a look at uh, our next site. Oh, I believe this is NASCAR.com. Hopefully we have some fans uh, on the clinic today. All right. Uh, so in looking at this page, um, one thing that you can obviously see is they use quite a lot of color and different shapes on this page. Um, to accomplish their communication to their users. Um, and they also try to, they bring that color um, and size aspect to their value proposition as well. You can see very clearly on the page, you know, you can watch the chase live and you can watch the drivers as they go around the track. Um, and they actually highlight that with some images um, to the right-hand side. Um, the one problem, though, I see with this page, and I'm going to make a term up so you have to bear with me, is... Because they use color and size so much on this page, it becomes like a one-up effect in the sense that we all have that one friend, and no matter what you say, they always have to top what you're saying. And that comes into play with these pages as well. As you use color and size on these pages to grab users' attention, well, when you really need them to do something, you have to one-up what you've done previously for it to stand out or it gets lost with everything. And that's kind of the situation that we're seeing here on this page. If you see the actual goal of the page, 
um, is a free 14-day trial button, which is where the arrow is pointing. But with everything going on, it, it gets lost in what, you know, colors are being splashed on the page, the different sizes, and everything that's going on. Um, so just be mindful of that. I, I'm not opposed to graphics and size and color and all of that, but you need to make sure that you bring a balance to that page and you're still able to communicate to your users and show them what the end goal is. Um, because one of the, one of the uh, secondary problems with this page are some of the other calls to actions on this page, the, the learn more buttons, they kind of get in this circular, circular pattern of looking at some of the features. But as a user, you lose grasp of, okay, I've bought into this product now. How do I complete this? Like, how do I sign up? Um, and so those elements just can get lost um, with, with so much going on. Um, also, if you've read any of our other materials that have been on our webinars, you know we talk about equally weighted items um, on the page. Um, so we have a lot of that going on. I think that that's fine for this since it's showing features, but you might want to highlight that headline a little bit more to show what these um, segments are on the, at the end. That's a lot of great points here, Corey. In fact, I even with the error pointing, I did not immediately figure out what the objective of this page was because that button is just completely hidden uh, or overshadowed with everything else going on in this page. And by the way, again, this is a great example of competing objectives. I just wanted to point out it, it is sometimes tough to figure out what to emphasize more in a page. And when we work with our research partners in the course of our uh, research project, uh, a lot of the time what people do is attempt to really put a possible even a dollar value to each objective to define how much time or how much rather space or attention want to give us on this page. So if you can, if you have the, the, the kind of data available to be able to do that calculation to understand how much money does this 14, free 14 day trial button makes or a click to that button makes versus let's say a click to the buy now and the $6.67 per month offer, you might find that actually the 14-day trial button makes you more money in the long run, and therefore you want to give it a lot more weight. But with that, I'd like to pass this uh, over to Heather. Thanks. Um, okay, for this particular one with smartnetwork.com, well, you're seeing definite examples of using color and size and shape here with the different videos and the color on the form. Um, you have to be careful not to do too much of this because, again, you're causing too much distraction on the page. Um, Obviously, there's great attention on this form, but you have to sell me on why I should join prior to asking me for information. In this particular example, I'm not really sure what you're asking me to sign up for or why. There's no key benefits really identified here, so just be careful to go ahead and position yourself that you want to identify the, the product first before asking for information. Um, another thing to be careful of is using white text on a color background. Now, I'm not saying not to do this at all. I mean, I think in, in, in the case of like a short headline, you can definitely do it. I think it's a great visual um, approach, but be careful when you're doing it because white, back, white copy on a colored background is definitely um, difficult to read. So test different colors, um, color backgrounds, and test, I'm sorry, test white backgrounds with different color fonts on top of them. Um, another thing to bring out is the video example here. Now, the video is a great supporting tool, but you have to be careful that you're not going to depend too much on the video to do the sale, because in some cases, the video can actually maybe a distraction. Actually, in this one, after you click watching the video, you can go ahead and navigate to other videos, which is, is not really recommended. Um, and then finally, 
there's several objectives on this page. Obviously, you have the form, and then you have the, the view the September issue on the bottom of the page. Try to tie in your September issue into the actual form. So something an example would be maybe um, tell us where to send your free September issue and tie it in with creating the profile as well. So as you're filling out that form, you're also filling out um, to actually receive that September issue, and you're not creating two different objectives for them to click on. So they'll fill out the form, they'll get the, the actual issue via email or a link after they fill out that information. Because right now, you're not really sure if creating on the, clicking on the profile button or clicking on the September issue is really what I'm supposed to be doing. Okay, we're looking at a, another vacation site here, Orlando Travel and Hotel. Um, what you can see here is they have a pretty bright page, and quite noticeably right away you can notice that they use some different shape options within their page, especially with the 110 um, best rate guaranteed. Um, they even have um, color going on and drawing attention to certain things like hot deals in the navigation. Um, but I would really wanted to highlight the the difference in the page with that 110% best rate guarantee. That's a great way to bring out attention to a very strong value proposition of why you should use um, Orlando Travel and Hotel and why you should choose their service over anyone else. Um, one thing, though, I would note on that is we've seen that with some images that appear similar to this, people have the propensity to click on it. So you might want to have a popover or a tooltip, something of that nature, where you might go a little bit more in depth on your best rate guarantee, and you can use that time to further your value proposition. You know, if you find a best rate anywhere, no questions asked, you know, we'll meet it 110%, something of that nature, just so you have those people covered. Um, or if not, I don't think it's totally, totally necessary. Um, one thing as well, going back to pictures like we talked about in the other one, since we are looking at Orlando, one thing you might want to include is some pictures about the area. Again, buying a vacation is going to be a very emotional sell, and while we do have a good image in the header, that might not be for everyone. It might not be the adventurous dad or son looking for these hotel or hotels or you know travel accommodations. It might be Mother Goose. So she might be more interested in what kind of malls are there and things of that nature. So you want to make sure that you're not you know shoehorning your uh, users into seeing only certain kind of imagery that might turn certain people off. Um, so using that wisely and especially using it in such an emotional cell like again a vacation is. Um, also, you might want to establish some more credibility before asking for the business. So you do have the best rate guaranteed. Maybe talk about some of your um, business relations or the quick turnarounds or the reservations that you offer, things of that nature before, again, you're asking um, for the business and just propping up the offer. Um, and I think... That's good. You have some links and banners on the page. Um, if you, those are clickable. Um, I would make sure that you maybe style those so people actually know that, not relying on the content so heavily to know that those are actually clickable banners. So that's great, Corey. And by the way, that point about something being not clickable when it appears to be, uh, when we do research with a, a work with our research partners. Some of our discovery work really focuses on understanding the user behavior, including things like where are they clicking that may not even be currently a link uh, to understand better what it is that they're looking for on your page. But I know we only have a couple of minutes left. Let me turn this over back to Heather. Um, okay, again, this one here, freecreditreport.com, does a good job of emphasizing the actual location of the form, obviously um, using the image to the left of it and then the bright color on the form. But you have to be careful when using imagery such as this one. I know, um, you know, this is 
taken from the TV campaign, so a lot of users can relate to it, but you have to be careful as well because it may be um, considered a distraction. There's a lot of great information on this page, yet it may flow better with a one or two column design rather than the three different columns on the bottom, just to help reduce the distraction and, you know, make it flow a little bit better. Again, the bottom section where we have the view it, check it, all the different icons there, again, those images might be considered a distraction as well. I would test the version that just uses bullets to identify those. Um, the call to action on this particular one, while it definitely does stand out because it's isolated, it might actually serve better to be connected to the form rather than using the arrow to point down to it. Um, again, I bring up that point with quantifying your headline. This does say get America's number one free online credit report, but anybody could really say that. So try to quantify it a little bit better and using, you know, how many people you've helped, you know, how many people have gotten those free credit reports through your service. And then finally, I would recommend maybe adding testimonials. You know, this is, again, an emotional experience. Sometimes, typically, if you have, you know, poor or negative credit, um, you know, you want to go ahead and connect the user as much as possible. So providing testimonials underneath the button, um, either video or copy, can help to, you know, reduce anxiety a little bit further. Thank you, Heather. I know I believe we have just 60 seconds left. So I wanted to thank everyone for attending this web clinic. You will get this clinic sent via email to you when uh, it's ready to be published on our site. Uh, we will use your comments in our blog post. So a lot of the things that we answered today, uh, there will be some links that I know have been mentioned. You will see them on marketingexperiments.com. Uh, also, I wanted to remind you that we do offer uh, live certification training workshops, and there's one coming up on December 10th in New York City. And uh, reminding you to please submit the survey that's going to show up after you exit out of the webinar. We really want to hear your feedback, uh, potential topics for our future clinics, what worked for you in this one, what didn't, what would you like us to cover in the future. And again, uh, thanks to Corey and Heather, uh, and thanks everyone. Goodbye.